one, and we're live. Hey, Andy, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, you're very welcome, Marco. Pleased to, uh, pleased to meet your acquaintance. Yeah. Um, no, I remember, uh, I remember talking to you on the phone earlier and, um, you know, you sat, you sounded very interesting and, uh, you sounded like a really kind of down to earth, nice guy. Um, so it didn't, it didn't really surprise me too much when, uh, when, you know, kind of knew that you had this, uh, this fitness facility that you operated out of Uxbridge. Um, typically like a lot of fitness trainers are, are very, you know, very nice people down to earth, just easy going. Um, yeah. How you doing? I'm pretty good for a Sunday morning, I suppose. Got up a little bit earlier, started a fire in the house here, got the room nice and warm. So then basically just waited for nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that sounds awesome. You have a fireplace in your house. Um, I've, I've got one as well. Um, it's a little far from where I'm recording though. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I'm, I'm here in the house with uh, my parents and my little brother. So, uh, yeah, so I'm kind of, uh, cooped up in my room here, but this is where I like to be when all the recording happens anyways. So it's all good. No worries. Sounds like you're not going to have any interruptions. I shouldn't, I shouldn't. Although I can, I can hear my little brother, uh, screaming upstairs. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so tell me about uh, Body Fit Health Club. Like, where, where did it all start? Um, what's the, uh, you know, how, how, did you, how did you come to found this, uh, this gym? Well, um, I guess it's easier to start talking a little bit more about how I kind of got into business in general and how I became an entrepreneur, because yeah, that's kind of how it all stemmed. Uh, this is, uh, again, I'm not sure, uh, how old you are, Marco, but way back when I graduated. I'm 26. From, oh, okay. So this is yeah. almost before your time. <laughs> uh, when I graduated from U of T, that was back in 1995. But, uh, prior to that, um, when I, when I started at U of T, uh, in my second year, I had started working for a company, uh, it was a valet parking company and that was just to help pay some bills and so forth while I was there. And myself and a partner, we had uh, an opportunity to take advantage of working in a restaurant and doing the valet parking for them. So we jumped at it. Uh, it was actually quite easy to start. We were living in a, uh, an all guys residence. It was called Devonshire House at the time. I don't think it's there anymore, but this is mm -hmm. a downtown campus at U of T. And uh, anyway, the restaurant we were working at was called Splendido Bar and Grill. And the owner came to us and asked if we wanted to uh, run the valet parking company there for him. And so we said, sure. We took a $3,000 loan, got ourselves going. And uh, after uh, basically into our second year, all the way through to uh, finishing U of T, it, it, it paid our way through school, which was awesome. We, uh, wow. we parked a lot of cars. We parked anywhere from 12 to 15,000 cars a year. Uh, we had great staff working there. And we worked at restaurants, we worked at uh, special events like the McLean House at Sunnybrook, we worked at the CN Tower, yeah. uh, Chestnut Park Hotel was one of our bigger contracts. But anyway, when we both graduated, we decided to uh, part ways and, and, and go in our own directions. And that was in 1995. <clears throat> and from there, I started working with uh, a small health club up in Uxbridge. 
the owner of that club decided she didn't want to run it anymore. And that was where my opportunity was, was to uh, start up BodyFit. So it was in 1996 when I started BodyFit. Uh, I, I don't think I would have started it had I not had the business opportunity that I had when I was at university because I wouldn't have understood what to do, uh, yeah. whether it be for uh, filing all the government forms, dealing with payroll, uh, submissions, banking, uh, incorporating, stuff like that. It, it was a, that was a huge step for me uh, to help me decide whether or not I was going to continue on and, and do something with the health club, because that was what my degree was at U of T actually it was bachelor of education, physical health education there. So, um, wow. but, uh, no, so that's where it started. So it started in 1996 and, uh, it was more to, to do two things because I really enjoyed running a business, but secondly, I figured I might as well use what I went to the university for. Yeah, that's, that's, that's almost, uh, you know, um, it's almost like things just happened for a reason for you. Like, uh, you know, you went, you went to school for, uh, sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, education, physical health, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's an honors okay. degree at U of T there. It's a physical and health education. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I guess, so, so you were doing the valet parking during school and then after you graduated how long after that did you um did you i guess acquire body fit health uh it was about a year mm -hmm. so when i was uh still I, I was actually still working for the health club that was up here uh while i was still running the valley parking company down in toronto and it was only on one contract down there so that was when he basically made a decision it wasn't worth us to carry on with that contract and right. uh, as we went our own way, that was in 1996. So it was about a year from 95 to 96 when we, hmm. uh, when we decided to start up the health club. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, usually um, I, I, I mentor students at Ryerson University and um, uh, it's, just, it's just part of uh, something I do as a volunteer. Um, but uh, one thing that I tell students sometimes is that, you know, just because you have a degree in a certain thing doesn't mean you might, you know, uh, end up in that field. Um, like I, I, I got um, my BCom at Ryerson and I majored in global management studies, but I'm, I'm doing nothing related to that. Uh, yep. I'm actually in the plumbing and HVAC industry. Um, <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, my my it, son has actually taken a very similar route to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Charlie, right? You got it. Yeah, no, I, I was I was on your website. I noticed that uh, that that your wife and your son both uh, both work work at the gym. That's awesome. Yeah, actually, I have three boys. Our second one, our our middle guy there, Raymond, also works at the gym. So yeah, we have to update the website a little bit. But uh, he's also there. Yeah. Charlie's actually graduating from from high school this year, and mm -hmm. uh, similar to you, he wanted to go to Ryerson. He was looking at uh, architecture architecture is uh it's a long field to get yourself established in yeah and so he he's seen the opportunity in the world of trades so that's the direction he's going yeah um no trade trade's a great field to get into um but uh yeah i i had i had somebody from uh from italy visiting me and um his daughter was looking to transfer her credits over to over to a Canadian university. Uh, she, she was looking at Ryerson and was actually wanting to get into architecture. But um, I, I, I haven't spoken to her since that was about like a year ago. And like, like the like, 
the process alone to go, to go from like Europe to Canada for school um, is already kind of hectic. But um, for architecture alone, like I remember just kind of looking at all the requirements and like it, it, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty heavy. It's challenging. He would have got in. Yeah. Uh, we weren't too worried about that. He was just, he, kids are different these days. I, I'm not sure if many of them really know what they want to do when they get out of high school. Personally, I think four years in high school is not long enough. When I was there, it was five years no. and he had a better idea. But yeah. I, I've just found that uh, many friends of mine whose kids have gone on to university are very unsure what to do in their first year and the number of times they change programs or majors or whatever it is it's a very costly uh self-discovery process <laughs> and so uh i think that for what charlie's doing i think it's a smart idea he, he wants to go to school and uh he wants what he's doing in school to help him out and start making money sooner than mm -hmm. later and so yeah. he knows that he's already taken all the prerequisite programs he has to in order to get back into architecture should he choose to do so. But in taking the programs that he did, it was more than enough to get himself into a trade program. Yeah, well, I'm sure I'm sure you're, you know, uh, you're, you know, the fact that you run your own business is also influencing him a little bit, right? Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't think any of my boys actually want to take over the gym, <laughs> but uh, they do see they do see the value in actually having a business, obviously the flexibility yeah. with your schedule and so forth, but they yeah. also see that a business isn't just uh, milk and honey all day long. It is a, it's tough. It's, it's not yeah. something that you can just expect to go to work there nine to five. And then when you come home, nothing else happens. It's not like that at all. So uh, for those people that want to get involved in a business, expect to work a lot more hours than uh, any of your staff. And, and, you know, it comes, after doing all that work where you can start to feel a little bit more rewarded. But as, as my boys are concerned, I think that they, they kind of have their own paths in life and, and I'm fine with that. I, I encourage them to do what they want to do, but um, if they do become entrepreneurs then by all means, I'm more than happy to help them along that way. And I, honestly, I think I've had more than one business um, that starting a business, generally speaking, uh, is very similar no matter what business you're getting involved in. Right. Yeah, no, no, I, no, I agree. Um, talk, talk to me a little more about the, the work required to run a business because um, I, I think it's starting to change uh, in 2020, but um, I don't know, whenever I hear people talk about running their own business, it's usually, uh, it's usually just the perks that are, that are talked about, you know, not having a boss, uh, you know, make you know sky's the limit make make as much money as you want um it, it, it's become kind of like a cool thing but 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 there's a lot of um i don't know i i kind of like to look at it like as like you know there's a bit of a dark side to it as well yeah um I'm not sure if I would say that there's necessarily a dark side. I, I think it just depends on the type of the person that wants to try and run their business. Now, I like to kind of make sure that a person understands the difference between, you know, running a business where you have staff or owning a business where it's you being self-employed. There's a huge difference between the two. Uh, the way I look at it is running a business with staff is truly running a business. If you're uh, self-employed where you are your own boss and you can make your own hours and everything else, for that, I simply call that owning a job. It's That's really all you're doing. So yeah. as far as owning a business, I think that the work that goes into it really 
stems from having a plan. And if you're not organized in getting into it, then uh, it's just going to be extremely disorganized as you go through it, and it's going to be extremely disappointing. So planning is the big thing. If you don't know your numbers, don't even consider it because you're going to end up spending way more money than you want, and uh, it's 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 going to be a very big disappointment when you start going. Um, secondly, is everybody understands the business that they want to get into, usually based on experience and how they want to help people or 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 be an expert in their field. That's one thing, but the other thing is that most people that I see that fail in business fail because they don't understand marketing. Marketing is um, key. Uh, if you don't understand how to market your wares, where to market, who to market to, um, then how are you going to get feet through the door? How are you going to get the phone ringing? Those are the bigger things. Mm -hmm. People aren't just going to find you. There are so many different opportunities out there that people are looking for on the on, online. So I'll give you an example. Yeah. If, if you want to, if you want to look for the next purchase that you're going to make, what's the first thing you usually do? Probably Google. Exactly. <laughs> and when you hit Google, if you're not on the first page or you're not uh, enticing enough in, in the text that you've got on that first page, then yeah. the person's probably not going to click on your link. And even if they do, they're still, they're still price shopping. Nobody buys right away. Nobody walks yeah. through your door right away. Um, they they want to understand a little bit more about you. Most people only buy from people that they know they like and they trust. Those are the three big things. So how do you establish yourself in your field? Um, and again, that's through marketing. So through social media, I know a lot of young people are, are phenomenal using social media. And that's, um, that's one way to start doing it where people start seeing you on a regular basis. Um, you yeah. have to be able to give some stuff out for free to start. People have to test you. People have yes. to understand that they're going to get value from what it is that you can provide for them. So those are the bigger things that I think that when people yeah. want to start a business, they don't even take into consideration. Um, but the marketing uh, is, is the first part. And then the second part that I would say to understand, sales. Nobody's going to yeah. buy from you unless you know how to sell. And again, nobody likes to be sold. They feel that they want to buy something. So you have to figure out how are you going to get a person interested in what it is that you're trying to sell, whether it be a product or a service. And then from that point, understand the sales process. Uh, people aren't just going to, again, they're not going to open up their wallet just because they came in the store. You have to have uh, a convincing argument uh, that, that really sways them to to purchase whatever it is you're gonna you're gonna sell them so again marketing and sales are the, are the two biggest things just because you're an expert in your field doesn't mean people are going to come knocking on your door yeah no those those are huge takeaways um i i feel like you know uh social media has become something that's so prevalent in our in our society today and yes a lot of young people are um, you know, heavily involved in it. And you might turn to, you know, a, a young person and, you know, see, okay, like, you know, what can I learn from them? Um, one of the, th so uh, part of my mentorship at Ryerson um, is actually being involved um, in, uh, in this uh, lecture series called Startup School. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they also have a, a, a digital media zone there. So I, I, I hang out with a lot of uh, business owners. Um, I, I myself am not one, uh, but I do enjoy surrounding myself with business owners. Um, and um, yeah, over the years, it's, it's definitely proved beneficial because um, social media was something that I, I never really exposed myself to until I started uh, mentoring at the school. Um, I got to see how these businesses operated, um, like all their, you know, all the different aspects of, you know, uh, running a business, you know, uh, like 
running into your first HR issue, uh, like the legal aspect of starting a business and uh, funding and, uh, you know, certainly marketing and sales are in there too. Um, I feel like marketing is, is very, is actually maybe even marketing and sales would be very uh, misunderstood today. Um, Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. You know, like personally, uh, like I, I know this well about myself. Uh, I, I, I don't have the, the skill to sell, um, especially something that I don't believe in. Uh, I, I, I will not be able to sell it for sure. Um, it, it's just, it's not a tool in my wheelhouse. Um, so if I were to start a business, I would for sure recruit somebody as a co-founder or, or someone, uh, you know, very high up. Uh, who did have that sales background to help me. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of marketing, uh, yeah, you know, like one of the common misconceptions about marketing is that, oh, you just got to create your account on all these platforms and then just start posting, 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 right? And um, I, I run into a lot of businesses who, you know, they say, oh, I'm having, I'm having trouble, you know, gaining traction on like Instagram or, or, you know, my Facebook group or whatever. And I have a look at their, at their social media and it's like, it's all them just putting stuff out there. And I'm just like, how do you ever engage with other people's content? And they're just like, no. And I'm like, well, that's, that's a big part of the issue is that you're not, you're not, it's, it's almost like, um, you know, you, you move to a new city and you know nobody, and you decide to throw a party um, without telling anybody that you know you're throwing a party at your house and just right. kind of waiting for people to show to show right. up, right? Um, yeah. So there's there, there's definitely a lot of um, a lot of misunderstanding out there, but but the businesses that do get it right, um, there there there's definitely a lot to learn from from that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that there's another component to it as well, just like you had yeah. actually mentioned there with respect to um, getting involved with other people. That's that's a big thing that we do on a regular basis is uh, developing partnerships with other businesses. And I don't mean partnership in the sense of the word where you're actually getting involved with them in business. I'm just mm-hmm. saying as far as uh, using them as part of a network so that you work together uh, in a small town, that's 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 uh, I think it's like it's probably one of the very first things any business should do is uh, right. find out what's going on in town and how everybody can work together and most yeah. businesses are more than happy to work together and the one thing that I find is a misconception is that if I uh, with the health club um, would believe that say you know the the local chiropractor physiotherapist or massage therapist that we all share the same customers so what's the point in working together because then we're soliciting the same customer base i think is probably um (laughs) is is about as wrong as you're going to get and so in doing that that's that's where we grow the most is through referral base through each other and then secondly it also helps build a trust amongst the customers too so uh like i said most people don't buy from you unless they know or trust you and so one way to gain a huge you know uh, pile of trust is uh through referral from another professional and uh if, if one of one other person trusts you then odds are they're going to at least give you a chance so yeah just like you said uh get to know other businesses in town get to know other people uh it's about establishing a network as well yeah uh 
No, I, I, I like that you started to touch on, on uh, just like how business is done in a small town like Uxbridge. Um, because like, you know, I, um, I went to school at Ryerson, downtown Toronto, very busy hustle and bustle. Um, and uh, in terms of, uh, you know, watching other businesses and how they operate and behave, um, like I, I've, I've, I've only ever known uh, that kind of space in a big city like Toronto. So I'm, I'm curious, like, how, how does it differ um, from a small town like Uxbridge? Like, like when, you, when you were doing valet parking um, and then you made the switch over to uh, Body Fit Health in Uxbridge, like, wh what did you notice as being a huge difference? Well, the businesses themselves weren't the same. Uh, however, they were mm -hmm. both service businesses. Uh, what we were servicing was an immediate need down there. Uh, so parking, as you probably know, is at a bare minimum, uh, particularly in the area that we did it when we first started. We started at Spadina and Harvard at Splendido Bar and Grill. I don't know if you know that area or not, but there's probably, I don't know, maybe five or six parking spots right on the street out front of that restaurant and everything else is, uh, um, you know, a long distance away or uh, in, in a parking lot that people who go to a higher end restaurant that drive higher end cars probably wouldn't want to park in anyway. So we were servicing a need. So like I said, if a person's going to buy from you, they're going to have a, a want or a need. Um, and those are the primary things. And if a person needs something, they're going to buy it. And that's what they needed from us. So when it comes to the difference between what we had down there versus what I have up here, um, the, in, in Toronto, I think it's a lot easier to find needs for people. It, you just have to sit there and think about it. Whereas, uh, and not only that, is there's a lot more people. You, you have a, a much larger client base to draw from. Uh, in, in a small town, the, uh, the needs are still there but the volume isn't. And so you have to establish loyalty, a lot more loyalty with your customers. It's not a revolving door of sales. That's probably the number one thing that I would say that most people have to understand when you're working in a small town is that retention is a key to longevity. If you don't have retention, then you're gonna be suffering because it costs an awful lot more money to try and get a new person in the door every single month than it does to keep an existing customer. Right, and um, the I guess the key to that retention really is really refining your value prop, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But it's also yeah. about building relationships with your customers too, um, mm -hmm. and always providing them with value that uh, that they they need. And so, I guess you kind of have to think about the lifetime client value of a customer, and yeah if a person's coming to you and they're only coming for one thing, if you only can service one thing, then they're probably not mm -hmm. going to remain a customer forever. So you constantly have to evolve. How is it that I can keep this person here? Obviously in the health club industry, um, <laughs> everybody honestly really needs to stay healthy. There's no question without your health, whether for sure. you've got nothing, but at the same time, some people get bored of it. And so you have to try and offer different services that are going to keep them coming back or stay on top of your game so that you're ahead of the, the, uh, the competition with respect to your offerings. But yeah. it's, it, it's, it's more about maintaining a customer there, no matter how you do it. But a lot of the times uh, people consider our club 
kind of like the cheers of health clubs. So when you walk through the door, you're always going to get a hello. We, the number one thing that I tell all of my staff is get to know everybody's first name. If yes. you don't know their first name, then they're not going to feel like you care. And yes. that's what they say. People want to know more about how much you care than how much you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I go to Fit for Less. There's actually one um, about a 10 minute walk from my house. And, uh, you know, it like prior prior to going to that gym, like I, I've, I've been working out since I was 18. Um, but uh, prior to going to that gym, uh, I, I had never really talked to anybody in like in a gym before. I would usually just, you know, just go in there, get my sets done and then go home. Yeah, you're um, a ghost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then, uh, you know, about, about three, no, let's say, let's say a year ago, um, when I started going to this gym near my house, um, you know, I, I was also going through some personal things. So I, I, I kind of made it uh, a mission to get to know all the staff members. And, um, you know, three months later, uh, you know, they, they all, they all know me by name. And, uh, we, we, we have, you know, I, I have some inside jokes with some of them and it, it made such a difference to the whole like gym experience, yeah. um, that, that like, you know, I, I, I came from the fitness industry before I went into, uh, uh, plumbing and HVAC. Um, so I, I knew, I knew that it was required from a business standpoint, but like, I never really saw the value in it from a customer standpoint. Um, and, uh, the value you know, of getting to know a person's name and so forth. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just getting to know a person's name, but also that sense of community, like walking into a place and like, you're going to see your friends. Right. Right. Um, it, it's, it's not, it's not just a place where, you know, okay, time to put in work time to whatever. Right. Um, it, it's, I don't know. It's just, it, it's just a really good feeling to walk into, uh, to walk into a gym and like, you know, say, say hi to, to your friend Emilio at the counter and then, and then, you know, go and walk over to, uh, uh, to the change room and you run into two other people who, you know, uh, yeah. but, but, you know, that, that, that took me kind of putting myself out there and, uh, um, yeah, no, it, it does make a huge difference. Uh, oh yeah. It's about establishing it, it, it community. Sounds, yeah. Yeah. Community is so important in the fitness and health industry. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, you honestly, Marco, are very rare. You're you're one in a million of the type of customer that would say, listen, it's going to be on me here to try and get to know everybody else's name here. So I feel more comfortable. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to knock the club that's there right now. I don't know what that it was that they did as far as trying to get to know you better. But mm -hmm. if my staff didn't get to know your name within the first month, then they're not doing their job. And as far as I'm concerned, the company has failed, uh, has failed yeah. you. But uh, yeah. good on you to be able to do that because that, that's what truly makes uh, a, a service business like a health club different mm -hmm. than anything else uh, yeah. uh, or even different amongst your own competition because that's, yeah. that's the one thing that we do find as well. A lot of people, well, people are creatures of habit, put it that way. So most of the time, people will come in in a very specific schedule. They're either a morning person, afternoon person, or evening person. And yeah. that's what I tell my staff. I say, start to recognize those patterns with people because let's say Mrs. Jones is coming in in the morning all the time, but all of a sudden she comes in in the evening. If you notice that difference there, 
then you should say something. Just say, oh, hey, Mrs. Yeah. Jones, I just noticed you're not in the morning. Is everything good? And then sure enough, they're going to start to open up or they'll just, I mean, if it's just yes. something that's normal, yes. then that's fine. But at least it shows you notice, at least it shows you care. And then that way, who knows what's going to come of it. But um, that goes an awful long way with customers. Yeah, no, no, exactly, Andy. I couldn't have said that better. Um, so just uh, just seeing here as uh, it's approaching 930, um, are, are you good to keep going for like another 10 minutes? Oh, yeah, sure. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Um, so you, you've been in business with um, Body Fit Health Club for like 20 years or a little over 20 years? Yeah, um, we're July will be 24. Oh, that's, a, that's unbelievable. Wow. Um, I, I can't even imagine running a business for one year. But <laughs> No, that's, that, that's, that's incredible. Um, so along the way, um, you've, you've certainly had some very high moments and some very low moments. Um, I'm curious, you know, along that 24 year long journey, what has been one thing or one of the things that you are most proud of and one thing or, or one of the things that you are, uh, you know, that, that you struggled with the most? Um, well, I think, I think the one thing, just as you, you talked about it there, as far as being proud is I'm proud of the longevity. Uh, 24 years is a long time. Yeah, of course, you hear of other businesses, much larger corporations that have been around for many, many years, hundreds of years even. But 24 years for a small independent business that's not a franchise is, is a long time. So I'm quite proud of that. Yes. Um, and a lot's happened over that time. So uh, it's kind of interesting. Sometimes a lot of the staff that I hire now aren't even 24. So when we started, they weren't even alive. But um, yeah, I, I think that's probably, the, I wouldn't say that's necessarily the highlight of everything, but it certainly is. It's, it's having really seen the evolution of a community over the lifetime of people, which is actually pretty mm -hmm. cool. Um, as far as the struggles that you talk about, I, I get that asked, that's asked to me a lot. And it's always the same answer, and that's staffing. <laughs> uh, mm. Employing people is always the most difficult thing to do because, well, for us, we're actually quite picky. We don't just hire anybody off the street. We don't put an ad out and take everybody in. We're very particular about who we hire because I like to think that we only hire the best, um, whether it be our trainers, the people work front desk, or even my custodial staff. Um, and even though staffing can be difficult. It can also be some of the most rewarding things. So it's a double-edged sword. Uh, a business isn't a business until you have staff, like I said earlier, because without a staff, you know, you, all you have is a job. And with good staff, you're given those extra opportunities you wouldn't have otherwise, whether it be a more flexible schedule, um, more time to work on the business, or just simply to help scale your operation. So mm -hmm. yeah, I would say that it's, it's kind of a it's a two-way thing. Staffing can be the most rewarding thing. Some of the things you're most proud of, some of the things that where people come back and say, oh, you know, I was just working with John over there and he is one of the greatest trainers I've ever worked with. Thank you so much. Uh, those are the kinds of things where you feel like, you know what, you, you've done a good job. You trained your person, you picked the right person and everything else and because everything that they do reflects on your business. So yeah, yeah so it, it can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing, but that is the number one thing that uh, I think that not a lot of people spend enough time on is with their staff. So that's, that's, to me, it's both rewarding and the most challenging thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, like uh, you're, you know, I, since, since uh, joining the HVAC and plumbing industry uh, with, with this company in particular, I've, 
I've been exposed to this concept called servant leadership. And uh, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Um, well, I'll put it in a different term. And then that way I'm probably am. I can't say I haven't really been okay. <laughs> exposed um, so, to it. So the idea is, uh, you know, you're, uh, you, Andy, being, being the leader or, uh, or one of your managers, um, if, you, if you focus on your team and your team alone, your team will focus on the customer. Because um, I don't know, most often what happens is the, you know, the, the leaders and the, uh, uh, the team itself, um, there's a joint effort to focus on the customer, but that kind of leaves you know, just the regular team members out hanging to dry. Sure. Um, and their needs aren't met, right? So the, the idea is to, uh, you know, if you're in a managerial position or some kind of leadership role, uh, is to focus on your team members and empower them so that they can best serve your customers because more often than not, they, they know how to, you know, meet the needs of your customers better than you do. Uh, so yeah, particularly yeah. if they specialize. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I've, uh, I, I've really started thinking about that. I'm actually in a managerial program at, uh, at work. So in about two, two years or so, I'm going to be uh, uh, hopefully getting my own branch with my own team. Um, and uh, that, that, that falls in line with exactly what I've been doing since I've been out of school, uh, actually, since I've been in school. Because um, when, when I came from the fitness uh, industry, I... I um, um, I actually ran a small team within the company. Uh, so yep. I did have some management experience. Uh, but yeah, like one, one of the, uh, one of the things that I see a lot of businesses get wrong is that they, they expect, they expect their team members to, um, you know, to love or to, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, I guess to, um, you know, to treat the business like it's their own, right? Like kind that's, of the same way that's what you would hope you for, would. for sure. Of course, that's what you'd hope for. Yeah. Um, that is that, I mean, like in, in a perfect world, yes. But I, I don't know, like may, maybe, uh, maybe my view is kind of limited seeing as though I don't run a business, but I feel like, um, I feel like that just never happens. Like, like, I mean, I mean, you might get the one a uh, rare individual who's just totally grateful and ecstatic about their, their work. Um, but I feel like unless you actually have some kind of like ownership in the company, you're just, you're just not going to um, love it the same way as the, as the CEO or the owner does. Right. Yeah. I, I would say that um, you kind of have to manage expectations as well. And I think that it, it really starts from the, the actual, not, not the hiring process, but from the training process is when you're actually starting right. to work with your staff, um, establishing what their roles are, make them feel like uh, you're giving them a lot of time so that when they actually do start facing customers and so forth, that they feel armed with all the information they could possibly have. That's the one thing that we find is, is probably uh, the most common uh, complaint I would say from some of our younger staff from when we hire them compared to other jobs that they've been at is that they felt like 
they got about uh, not even a half a day of training. They were stuck right in front of the customer and they had no idea what to do. And then of course the customer gets mad at them. Mm. And so they don't feel like they're supported. And so that's one thing that we do spend an awful lot of time with for, for even just with our front desk staff there, we spend probably about 30 hours of training with them before they do get in front of a customer by themselves. And then cycling on top of that, they do an awful lot of shadowing. So they work with other uh, staff who are, are, I guess we'd call them senior staff, and they actually have a responsibility that when they're working with these new hires, that they have to put them through um, different scenarios, whether it happens to them um, on the job or not. It's just so that if something does happen to come up, that they understand how to deal with it. But um, that's the one thing that we try to do is to make a person feel 100% comfortable before we start sticking them in front of our customers. And then secondly, I think that... Um, and, and I would kind of put this on to the employee as well, is that employees kind of have to have an understanding of what it's like for the business owner as well, that right. um, you would hope that they would understand that if they make a mistake, that they're going to stay accountable to it. So uh, mm-hmm. it's not just, oh, well, darn, I guess, you know, something went wrong. Or if a customer is coming, potential customer is coming through the door and you don't really take your time to to speak with that person they just walk back out they don't think that that potential $500 sale is what pays for their paycheck they don't think that way Um, a lot of people just think well this is a job I get paid my whatever it is per hour and then I can go home and I'm going to collect that but um, there's there's different ways that I guess that uh, uh, you, you can try to empower your employee and the one thing I like to do is is particularly with those that that do express an interest in staying in the industry. So in other words, if you work with me for front desk and then you decide, you know what, I want to go to school or I want to get my certifications, I want to become a trainer, I want to get more involved, then that is where I start working with them, just like I would with a customer who is a personal training client. I would start setting goals for them. I want to find out why did they get involved in the industry? What is it that they want to do? What do they want to accomplish? How much money do you want to make? And then from there, help them understand their numbers. So is it realistic? Set goals for them. Those are the biggest things. It's, I, I don't think very many employers actually do that with their staff to say, okay, how, how do you expect to get to this particular um, pay rate or whatever it is? How, how do you think you, uh, you, you can get ahead in this company? Um, those are the things that we have to sit down with them. And, and it takes an awful lot of thought. I don't think a lot of the employees actually really think about that. And so when I give them a booklet, it's about 12 to 14 pages long um, in helping them set up and establish and maintain goals. They're like, wow, I never really thought about it that way. This is actually kind of interesting. And so then that way, um, just like we try to keep our, our training clients accountable to what it is that they had set their goals to. We do the exact same thing to our staff. We said, you know, look, your goal was to try and increase your client base by two or three or four clients a month. How are you going to do that? Lay it out. It's not my responsibility to always be putting people in front of you. That's the same thing as just sitting there waiting for a check to come through the door. That's, you know, up to me to get it for them. I want them to take some responsibility to it. Um, I guess there's a train of thought that some employers can look at. Um, I always consider an employee as an asset, but um, employees also have to understand that they are an asset until they become a liability. So think about it that way, (laughs) because that's truly business assets and liabilities. You do not want to be on the liability side. So absolutely. Um, Yeah, no, like that, 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 that sounds like such a great idea to have like a huge book. Like I'm, I'm totally all about like personal growth and development and, um, you know, like taking all those tests to just to, to determine your strengths and weaknesses and all that stuff. Like yeah. that, that, that sounds like a great idea. And, uh, 
yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised that many of your employees like are complete are in complete shock when they get that booklet. Um, yeah, because you know, considering how young some of your employees are, they've probably never even thought about some of those some of those questions or goals that are in those that that booklet. Yeah, no, they yeah. they 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 haven't. And and again, it's we don't actually propose that booklet to the person until the person has said to us, and we have to see that in them. Um, we want to know ah. that they want to grow. So working at front desk for us right now for a lot of the kids. It's, it's a part-time job and that's fine. It's a, it's a means to an end. It's, it's so that they move on to university, whatever it is. But for those that are more mature, those are the ones that, um, who are considering um, fitness as a career. Those are the ones that we start to sit down to help them really establish what it is that they need to start thinking about. Uh, and then that way, uh, there's no surprises. They they yeah. they can hold themselves accountable, and and I can help them work through it. That's that's my responsibility as an employer mm -hmm. is to support them in their growth. Well, it sounds like it's paying off. But uh, listen, Andy, let's let's uh, let's start wrapping this up. Um, I know uh, I know we're approaching that time, but I wanted to uh, ask one more question of you. Sure. So this is kind of like a I guess a question of the day uh, sort of thing that we do here. Um, you, you know, you can, you can, uh, answer it to the people of Ux Uxbridge or the people of Durham as a whole. Um, but one thing that you'd want to say to the people of Ux Uxbridge or Durham, um, what would that be? Whether, you know, whether they're aspiring to be a business owner or not, um, maybe it could be, you know, the best advice you've ever heard, uh, anything like that. Okay. Um, well, I would just put this out to people, uh, who kind of, are, are thinking, I, I'm thinking more uh, a message to clients or potential clients more than anything, I think, is that ultimately our businesses, we're here to help. Um, and from a health club perspective, if you're struggling with your weight, your blood pressure, aches and pains or stress, come see me. It's, it's never ever too late to start and it's not difficult. Um, I promise we'll be able to work with you in any capacity even if you've never belonged to a gym before, uh, we're like a family and we'll treat you as such. It's that simple. Um, as, as for those people who are interested in joining a business or starting up a business, I, I encourage you to do it. Take that leap of faith and be prepared to, uh, to experience some struggles along the way, but prepare, be prepared to, to work really, really hard. And if you are successful, then you can attribute that to yourself. I, I don't think that luck plays a huge role in everything. It all comes down to hard work. And, uh, you know, uh, if, if anybody ever wants to know a little bit more about some of the things that we do that have helped us be successful, I'm more than happy to take, take questions or calls on that. You can always reach me on my website. It's easy to do. But, uh, but yeah, for, for anybody who's out there, always think about um, us as a place where you can get help. That's, that's the biggest thing. Those are some powerful words, Andy. Um, I'm sure that uh, a lot of people listening are gonna are, are gonna have some huge takeaways from that. Where can people find you or BodyFit Health Club? Um, you can find us on the internet at uh, bodyfit.ca. You mm -hmm. can find us on Facebook uh, again at BodyFit Uxbridge. So Facebook is our uh, another way to communicate, and then also through uh, Instagram. We're at BodyFit Uxbridge on Instagram. So it's not difficult, or if, if you're like me and you like to talk on the phone, 905-852-6175. Awesome, Andy. Thank you so much for talking today and uh, have a great Sunday. Thanks. You too, Marco. Take care. Thank you.